Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM. There you can browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title free, and get started listening. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Outfielder Podcast, episode 89, brought to you by Sensibly Loud Media. I am your host, J-Mac, a.k.a. Founder Numero Uno, and I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Popfly himself, Founder Numero Dos, Ben. You have a dime. You're in for a time. Baseball, Ben. What's going on, man? It's <laughs> good. What was the context there? No idea. <laughs> no That's idea. perfect. It's an incredible wow. drop. Well, I would normally turn to our third host of the evening. However, the greatest of all known Sambinos could not join us tonight. Uh, last I heard, he had an incident trying to make uh, chicken parmesan. There was chicken everywhere. It's everywhere. just terrible. It's terrible. He'll have to fill us in more later on. But he's been on the live streams and everything with us. He'll be back. I think we're going to try to do a live stream tomorrow night for game one. But if not, we'll have one on Friday for sure. I think that'll be game three at that point. But uh, we are with, the, I mean, it's big time of the year for us. World Series. We have two good teams with the, the Astros versus the Nationals, which we're going to get into. And uh, yeah, we've been doing the live streams throughout. We had, we want to thank Marty for coming on last week. That was our, yeah, on last Friday. That was awesome. And uh, it was great to hear some, some Wade Boggs stories and just to, to BS with old Marty. Yeah, that Wade Boggs story was electric. If you missed it, go back and check it out. We may try and edit out a portion of it, but uh, definitely good. Anytime we get a firsthand source on the Wade Boggs thing is always a treat. I mean, really and truly, anything Wade Boggs related, we're down for. I mean, we just did a 1986 mock draft to, to have teams stack up against each other on the last live stream. So if you missed that, those are the kinds of cool things that we're talking about while we're watching baseball. Is 1986 Mets, and I... And, uh, you can vouch for this. We have a lot of Keith Hernandez cards. Um, so many. We Wait, drew them. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Is there ever too many Keith Hernandez cards? Absolutely not, because the mustache is better in each one of these cards. But we basically, to fill everybody in, we had a stack of baseball cards from 1986, and we just randomly drew 1 through 20, and we just sat there and drafted our teams. And so uh, we, we're doing some of that fun stuff on the live stream. It's definitely worth checking out. It's on our usual social media sources. It's on YouTube. It's on Facebook, everything. where you're, If you're watching this now, if you're listening now, you can always go back and watch it too. So if uh, you want to go back and do that, we'll be streaming throughout the games. So that way you can watch the games along with us, you can, usually within a strike or two, and just kind of get the live commentary and us BSing about things. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, we're doing mock drafts. So I think this, in this next one, uh, Ben, whenever you're there, we're going to go through the results and see whose team, who we drafted, and who would have won based on, you know, just going head-to-head and all that stuff. I love it. I cannot wait. Hey, did you see the baseball news this week? Uh, I, I've stayed on top of it. I, I, I fancy myself as quite the aficionado, aficionado when it comes to this stuff. Really? You should have a podcast. I know, right? Anyway, so uh, for those of you who are just now tuning in, who just retired, Justin? C.C. Sabathia. That's right. The man's so good, he only needed two letters for his first name, number 52 himself. I know it. So, you know, he had a pretty good career overall. It was really sad to see his last outing the other night go the way it did, where you could tell he pulled something in his arm and was very frustrated leaving the dugout and everything. And uh, you could tell that it's, he's a baseball guy and he wants to keep playing. But at some point that, you know, you get that knock on the door and you just can't keep doing it anymore and you never know how old you're going to be when it happens. And so it's good that he gets to go out kind of on top, I think. I mean, it stinks that the Yankees didn't make it a little bit further in that case. I mean, you're not going to hear me complaining. <laughs> but at the same time, I I, uh, I think he got a pretty good send-off overall. I mean, he got the nice standing O and he didn't want to go back out to take the second, you know, bow type of thing, but... You could, I mean, you could tell he just kept kind of fighting it off like, no, no, I'm going to push through, and it just wasn't going to happen. Oh, I totally get it. Uh, by the way, I have some figures pulled up. Would you like to take a guess at some CC Sabathia stats? Please. Okay, so he played 19 seasons, started in Cleveland, 
uh, little stint in Milwaukee, but I'd say is most known for his time with the Yankees. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, Absolutely, yes. Okay, so with that in mind, what would you say his career war is? Career war? Mm -hmm. Um, Probably somewhere in the 10 area. Well, sir, that's where you're gravely mistaken. Okay. His career war is 63. Holy cow. Wow. Okay. So I thought some of the later years have been really tough for him, but I guess it's just been straight up injury. Yeah, just okay. straight up injury. Uh, his best season, according to wins above replacement, would have been he tied in 2011 11. and 2000. Yeah. No, just 2011 at 6.4 war. That's pretty damn good. That's really, really good. So it, war is interesting over a career versus like on a year to year team thing, I think. So he, you said he was around 6.5 in those years? Yeah. Six four. Yeah. Six four. So I mean, that would have put my 10 number pretty relatively close if you're looking at it year over year as opposed to a career. Oh, yeah. True. No, yeah. I was looking cumulative. You're absolutely right. But well, I um, just, I would be interested to know what the difference is there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because something has to bring that up higher. I, I always forget kind of all the calculations, and I know there are two different versions of war as well. There's mm-hmm. a baseball reference and a fan graphs version. Both differ by a good amount because of some of the metrics they use to, to find them. But I, I think that's very interesting. Dude, for sure. And also, um, in his best season, what do you think is the most number of strikeouts he recorded in a year? So was this 2011? Was that was that year? Uh, so that was his best season, but it wasn't the year with the most strikeouts. Okay, so it had to have been... <sighs> Boy. I'm going to... So s- his uh, yeah, career no strikeout numbers, 3,093. Okay, yep. Best year would have been 2008 when he pitched for Cleveland and Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Both teams he combined for 251. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. Pretty That's damn good. very good. Yeah, I remember that trade, and it was a big deal. And, of course, he went to the Yankees, and that was kind of what the Yankees were doing at the time, was just spending, spending. And, I mean, I think these the today Yankees are a little bit different. I, I mean, they've pretty much homegrown most of the team they have now. And, you know, they see that they don't have to go out and spend if you're going to, you know, invest in workhorses like Aaron Judge. And so it's he definitely came from that time, though, where they were just, you know, pulling out all the stops to get anybody they could. And I mean, he was absolutely a worthy acquisition. It looks like in like 10, 11, 12, he was making 24 million. Well, that's not surprising to me. Did he miss a season somewhere anywhere? Um. I don't see a full season miss. Let me okay. see what the lowest games played is. It would have been right in 2014. That. He yeah. only played eight games. Yeah. So that, that, and I think that's what I'm thinking of, I guess. And just in general, so he's really battled a injury the last couple of years. It's been tough to watch yeah. for his sake. No, for sure. But I always, hey, I always definite, lo- Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I was going to say definitely a guy you think of, uh, even though he wasn't, but I think of him as a career Yankee. He wasn't, but I think of him that way. Agreed. I remember his time with Cleveland very vividly, too, though. I mean, he's one of the very first guys that I just remember following for his whole career, no matter what. But uh, my favorite fact about him is, I forget which year this was. It was right around that time when he missed all, like a lot of time. But he dropped like 100 pounds. Oh, my God. And then he was absolutely terrible. <laughs> really? Yeah, he gained all the weight back, and he get, he got it all back. That's fantastic. Yeah, there was a year you, you can look at it in those later years. It, w- it would have been anywhere from two thousand, probably twelve, uh, like thirteen to like to the end of his career, where there's a noticeable difference in the m- amount of wins and losses he had. That's awesome. Yeah, and that was because he dropped the weight, and the next year he showed back up and back at the same weight that he was the year prior to that. Pitched pitched the lights out, and there's something to be said for being able to put that kind of weight behind pitches. Oh, sure. I mean, it's extra velocity, right? Exactly. So, do we give him an applause? I think so. I All think right. he's earned it. Okay. Okay. It's good stuff. Well, CC retiring. We send him off to the to the promised land. Uh, I'm sure he'll do great things in baseball. I wonder if he'll be any kind of announcer or anything like that. It'll be interesting to see what his the next part of his career looks like. Yeah, two things. One, I don't know if he has the personality for it. 
I don't know. He might, he might not. That remains to be seen. But two, the way you just gave him a send off, it sounded like you were sending him to a farm upstate. I know it really did. It felt that way as I was saying it. And then it kind <laughs> of just felt like, well, I should maybe not go that hard on it. I, I wasn't even really intentionally going hard on it, but it just sort of worked out that way. That's fair. Not totally so, fair. We're not He's sending going to him live up with your aunt and uncle, right? We're, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're we're just sending him off into the baseball, you know, the post baseball part of his career, and I'm excited to see what that looks like. Uh, I don't know. I just i I feel like the natural move for a lot of guys has been to go to the booth, and I'm glad to see. I'd be glad to see where he if he does doesn't end up doing that because not every just because you go to the booth because you know a lot about baseball doesn't mean you're you have the uh, the skills to be an announcer. That doesn't make it a good a good pivot at all. Correct. We watched uh, Joe Girardi and uh, AJ Przinsky just destroy the broadcast during the playoffs. So you know, dude. Well, and what's interesting is, and I know it's football, and this is a baseball podcast, but when Jason Witten came out of the broadcast booth to go back on the field, yeah, that's like, that's absurd. How ridiculous is that? That's absurd, and he was incredibly bad at it and did not get better either. So like, it's one of those things like. I think, I mean, you can definitely improve on it, right? I mean, we're, look at us. Like, this episode sounds a jillion times better than our first one. Go back 89 episodes. That's a ride. That's a roller yeah. coaster ride. In, in that, we are broadcasting into Campbell's soup cans tied together. Correct. It is brutal and a half to watch. We have the videos in the archive somewhere we'll have to pull out sometime. But it's, I mean, just in general, you always improve at it. But he just. While he had a fine speaking voice, everything he just never was that great at it, and I think that's why in baseball they bring out the heavyweights to actually do the World Series, like Joe Buck and stuff like that. What? So we've talked about that before. I, I've kind of I've been on the record of saying I've changed my stance on Joe Buck after having watched Brockmeyer. What do you like, Joe Buck, calling the World Series? Absolutely. Okay, tell me, like, what what are your thoughts on this? One, I think he's good at it. Like, he has a good talent for calling baseball games. He knows exactly how to match the energy on the field and to sort of draw the emotion mm -hmm. that you can't necessarily pick up on if you're not in the stadium. He at least gives you some semblance of that from the comfort of your own living room. That's fair. Yeah, and I, I just think he kind of knows. I mean, he's been doing it for so long that he just kind of knows how to do it. And I think that's, there's something to be said for like an ease type of, factor and it kind of plays into what you were saying where it makes it feel like it's in your living room it's just kind of an easygoing reliable voice well plus you can go back to i don't know world series in 1997 and it's still him calling it like right. that level of consistency is great it is nice were you ever aware of his show called the joe uh, joe buck live oh no but it sounds bad well so what <laughs> it was on hbo right Okay. And I think it was going to be something to the... It was going to be sort of like what ended up being like Real Sports with Bryant Gumbles ended up being, where he was going to have... It was kind of like a late night thing. He's going to do it every couple of weeks and you know talk to athletes and different people and whatnot. Well, the very first episode, he had Artie Lang on. Okay. And Artie Lang, if, you don't, if those of you out there that don't know who Artie Lang is, he's a comedian. And he is very famous for being a cokehead. And all kinds of shit like that. And he's just balls to the wall crazy. He really is. He's hilarious, but he is, it is a very special type of humor to be into Artie Lang, I feel like. Is that a fair assessment? I think so. Yeah. And so Artie Lang didn't really understand what Joe Buck Live was because it was the first episode. And he came onto that show like a wrecking ball and just was making coke jokes and all this other shit. And like Joe Buck was just <laughs> like a turtle on his back, just like, oh my God, I don't know what to do here. And That's awesome. it soon got canceled right after that. Thanks, Artie. It's out there on YouTube. Joe Buck's openly talked about it. He's like, it was a disaster from the very beginning. And Artie Lang got it off to a very weird start. And it just never really picked up steam, which to me is surprising because I feel like that would be more eye-popping we also live in 2019 this was like in the mid-2000s right no i think that there's definitely something to be said about the context of what else is on you right. know what i mean absolutely yeah and, th and that makes a big difference here too so i, I i'm fine with joe buck calling it i've like i said I i've wavered over the years but i've become a joe buck fan over time and i mean part of that is you just get older and your preferences change and there is something kind of what we were saying about they're just kind of being that consistent reliable voice well, absolutely. So, Speaking of old reliable voices, 
Who is he going to be calling in this year's Fall Classic? So we've got the Astros taking on the Nationals. How excited are you for this World Series? I'm excited with a hinge of disappointment. And it's not that I'm disappointed in, oh, the Rangers didn't get, like, yeah, sure. I mean, they yeah, weren't going to. That definitely what, sucks. Right. What yeah. I'm disappointed about is that the Cardinals and the Dodgers just poop the bed. Yeah. So, like, overall, the National League of the four teams that made it to the conference series, or to the divisional series, rather, Washington was my least likely pick. Okay. Considering they got up to a 19 and 31 start, I think that's fair. Right. And so, just overall, but you kind of got to root for the scrappy underdog. Yeah. You know, I think that's a good point. I, I think so. Like, for me, I'm excited for this one because. Yeah, you do root for the scrappy underdog a lot here. I mean, Bryce Harper just left. I think he seems pretty happy for them, other than the fact that he was the one who, in his Phillies press conference, accidentally said that he's looking forward to bringing home a championship to D.C. That's a weird look, obviously being played a lot on the internet right now. But it's good for them. Like, it's A lot of times, these kinds of things are addition by subtraction. And I'm not, like, I mean, obviously Bryce Harper helps on the field, production-wise, any team he's on, but we don't know how he helped in the locker room one way or the other. And I don't think that he necessarily... I don't think he was in there like Papelbon just kind of, you know, nuking the clubhouse or anything like that. But it can, right. be, a, it can be a weird error, like just yeah. an error, you know? We don't think he's Chase Utley allegedly, um, you know, like drinking Starbucks or whatever. Right. But we do think... Uh, uh, well, let me back that up. I think that he probably isn't the easiest guy in the world to get along with. Don't you agree? I could see that. I, I So it's it's interesting because there are a lot of guys like this. David Price is one of those guys where he's a team guy, but if you're looking at it from the outside looking in, you don't see that as much. You like The yeah. guys love him, but everybody else thinks he's an asshole, and he may very well be, but he seems like a team guy. And he does, like, I don't know. I think that he's become very polarized because they paid him $330 million. Oh, and sure. We, and we've been talking about like that size contract since we started this show. Like 89 episodes. I can't... We're underscoring that today because it just seems like an important, not necessarily milestone for us, but like a long time that we've been talking about this. And it feels like it maybe demonized him just a little bit and made him a little bit of a villain. And at the end of the day, the Nationals wanted to pay him $300 million over 50 or 60 years that doesn't make sense to do for a player from a player standpoint and so like i think he's made out to be the villain a little bit here and you know what i think he's happy for these guys he should be he's come up with a lot of these guys like juan soto and all those guys and like i i, I like this nationals team a lot that all being said houston is going to steamroll this team yeah i think nationals if they're lucky get two games i think they win a game tops I mean, Vegas, like, if you look at the favorites right now, Vegas has Houston to win the series at minus 275. That means you have to bet $275 to win 100. So, like, that's not great return for your money. That's how sure Vegas is on how Houston's going to do. And so it's, like, I look at that stuff from uh, as an interest standpoint because those guys sit there and take into consideration every single time, you know, every single time zone change and, you know, all this kind of stuff to try to get that that right since money's on the line. But I look at it from a standpoint of, like, this is what the general population thinks this is, is going to happen here. And whenever you look at it and you think, okay, well, the underdog is bet 100 to win 200, that's that's pretty pretty rough. And yeah, so those are those are relatively long, <laughs> long odds. And, and the interesting thing is, we're going to have a great pitching matchup through a lot of this. It's just Houston's pitching is deeper. But, I mean, going to, to the mound in game one, you're, tomorrow is going to be Garrett Cole versus Max Scherzer. That's a remarkable, like, that's exactly the type of pitching you want in your World Series matchup. Right. Absolutely. And then, I mean, you're going to meet, this. I mean, I would assume game two is going to be Strasburg. Verlander. Uh, Verlander. Yep. And then that's you've got Zach Granke on the other side. You know, I mean, it's... Oh. Uh, is, and Greinke hasn't been great during the playoffs, so it's it's he's going to be looking, I think, for a little bit of edge here and a little bit of you know maybe a bounce back opportunity, either that or a trade that didn't hadn't gone right. But you know it is what it is. I think he's a fine regular season pitcher. So how did you feel about how the Yankees series went? So for me, I almost 
I almost took the bait when they came super close to winning game two. But the fact that they couldn't put it away just totally means, you know, it was the Astros to lose. That's the best part about a seven game series in this kind of situation is that it is it more times than not the best team comes out. Yep. And we're going to we'll get to that here in a minute because it kind of involves my POS corner, but we'll get there. But the best team really does come out in that kind of situation. And while I love what the the Nationals have done, they have spent a ton of time congealing as a group. Dave Martinez has done a pretty good job. I'm not the biggest Dave Martinez believer, but he's done a great job with this team. And you can't come. I mean, he's they're going to the World Series. So even if they lose, hell of a year for him. Well, yeah. And sometimes it's about not necessarily being the best leader, but the best leader for the group that you're leading at that moment. Absolutely. You look at John Farrell. He was great for that 2013 Red Sox team that was full of veterans that didn't need a manager to tell him what to do. And that's changed now to where Alex Cora seemed to be the stir that stirred the drink last year for the Red Sox winning the World Series. Joe Madden was the same way with the Cubs. There's tons and tons and tons of examples out there. Absolutely. So I just I'm I'm excited for this World Series. I don't think it's going to be much of a game or as, as, of a series, to be honest with you. It, it, the other thing about this, too, for me is that it feels like Houston is just they've got the momentum. And while Washington had momentum, they also had about a week and change off. And that is always concerning. While it's great to have your arms rest and, and get, you know, and everybody, you know, take a little breather. Momentum is a huge thing in this game. And you can feel it with Houston. And that's, I mean, that's the thing about Houston for the last three years. They've just been so darn dominant. Yes. I mean, it just, it the energy just almost overtakes you. That's what happened with the Yankees. They, you know, they, I mean, when they won the first game in the Bronx, I was like, okay, this is, this is big. Like, this is not going the way the Yankees think this is going to go. And I mean, the, they just silenced the Yankees like continuously. And that is no small feat. That is a great uh, Yankees lineup. It definitely is. I mean, it doesn't help, and, and we'll get this in our POS corner a little bit later, but like their bats just weren't making it work, but you have three elite pitchers back-to-back-to-back to back to back that right. you're up against. It's hard to, to... And like Tanaka, you know, like he did... Like he had a pretty good series overall, and Luis Severino, even though he had been hurt all year, had a pretty good series overall, but it's just hard to compete with. It really is. And I, I also think my other thoughts around the, that series are straight up that A.J. Hinch managed circles around Aaron Boone. He really mm-hmm. did, and that's concerning. That would be really concerning to me. I, I get that there, it's important. We were just talking about this too. Like it's important to have a manager that knows how to rally the troops, and it seems like he's good at that. It seems like he knows what he's doing in that sense. But it also seems like when we come to clutch moments, it, he gets circles managed around him, and that is odd. So, um. I'm going to respectfully disagree. I think that if it were any other city aside from New York, clubs would be lucky to have a manager like Aaron Boone. You think However, so? when you have that large of a magnifying glass on you, it's never going to be good enough because even if they beat the Astros and even if they won the World Series, they're just going to compare them to the guys that that won three or four. Yeah, that's fair. So you're and so yeah, I'm like, thinking that if if you're the Padres or, you know, I bet the twins would have killed to have Boone get him all the way to the ALCS. Yeah. You know, and so I think it's more of a and no, no disrespect to you, but that could be your uh, your shirt and your hat talking a little louder. No, I, I've honestly said that for a while. I don't think Aaron Boone is a very qualified manager. He's gotten better okay. because he's grown into the role. And that's where, so like that's kind of the difference here. Like whenever you look at like a Joe Madden or somebody like that, and I keep going back to him because he's a perfect example of this, where he's a guy you can bring in that knows how to do two things, manage young talent and manage on the field. And those, like, the second one can definitely escape guys quicker than teams realize. Kapler's a great example of that. Oh I, th- I think yeah. he was fine with the clubhouse overall. I think, you know, I, I don't know that it was great, but I don't, I mean, it wasn't Mick Calloway bad or anything like that. <laughs> you know, so, like, I mean, it's not like it was just, or Bobby Valentine or anything like that. It's not like it was that bad. It was just not great. And when it came down to it, the X's and O's escaped him a lot. And I feel right. like that's what happens with Aaron Boone. It's not necessarily like a, it's just an experience thing, and, and it's just like anything else. Like 
experience almost always trumps out everything else. It really does because it's being in those situations, knowing what to do, knowing what to say, and you know, being able to go back and say, you know what, and, th- and so he could look back at this series and say, you know what, in this situation, I should have done this, I should have done that, and he can learn from that. And he's progressively gotten better since he's been in New York. I thought he was an absolute joke, especially going from Girardi to him his very first year. And he definitely got better, but A.J. Hinch has been here before. Yeah, no, that that makes sense because he was their manager in seventeen, right? Absolutely, and he's been like ever since they hired they fired Bo Porter as their manager a few years before they really really got or a year or so before they really got good in Houston. It seemed like they were lacking that, and AJ Hinch has been the perfect guy to go in there and and kind of work those things out. So it's one of those things you have really a couple of options. You have you can bring in some guy who's really experienced, kind of like what the Cubs did with Madden. Or you can have a guy that's kind of homegrown throughout the organization. This is your John Farrells of the world who know what the organization is about and who will do a fine job as skipper there. And and there's really, it's a real fine line. Former players, especially ones that haven't been retired for very long, always make a little bit strange of a manager move until they really get into it. Kapler was a great example of that. I mean, there, there's all kinds of things. But then you look at like Rocco Baldelli, who's in Minnesota, had a great first year as his as, as a manager for that team. So obviously those there's those one offs, there's those you know things that are different. But I just for me, Aaron Boone just w- hadn't been there before, and that's so. Okay, I I agree. I feel though that the Twins' example is not the best with how much offensive talent they signed in the off season. Definitely, like that's not necessarily apples to apples. Definitely not. But you also have a manager that can communicate, hey this is what we need, go out and get it. And if you have a GM willing to go out and get it, then that's kind of where that comes into play. And again, he's a little bit of a one-off for sure. But you know, usually you have a learning curve and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I was killing Gabe Kapler from almost day one. because <laughs> No, from, from day one. That's uh, not pretty normal. much, yeah. <laughs> but he also didn't do himself any favors ever, and he finished with about a 500 record in Philly, which is not bad, but not what it's expected in that kind of group. No, I agree. So, Especially given the tools that they tried to give him. Exactly. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's that's probably why Kepler got the most grief. Definitely. And and like I said, some of the managing stuff is not it's just not something you can pick up a book and read and be like, Okay, I know how to manage every situation now. It's it's just not like that. And it's if it was, you and I would be doing it. We would have already done it, I think. But we've been putting I'm, out, you know, feelers. I mean, t- we have seven teams out there that are still trying to hire managers, so we're, the phone lines are open, 972-885-9361. If we don't answer, leave us a message. That's right. And so far, most of my application emails have not been automatically deleted, which is good. Mine too. Except for, never mind, we're not going to go there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's. I think this is a good World Series, though. I think the right team came out of the AL. I, I'm... I don't know that the right team came out of the NL, but I'm excited about the team that did come out of the NL. So I agree. And where I'm at with the NL is if we just give it to, quote, the right team, then why do we even have a playoffs? You know exactly. what I mean? Like, this is what keeps it exciting that it wasn't just Astros Dodgers, you know? Yeah. No, exactly. And I mean, we come into these like weird situations every year where, like, I mean, sometimes the wild card team can get hot and it, it just works out that way. And, and you know, like, it's. I don't think there was ever that feeling that that was really truly going to happen on the AL side. Mm-mm. But once you had the too Dod- many, I think in the AL side you had too many powerhouses, whereas Agreed. in the NL you just had one big powerhouse. Absolutely, and but once you had Atlanta go down, and then you had the Dodgers go down, then it kind of became open season again, right? And so that's that's the beauty of it in a lot of ways, and so that's the that's the value of the wild card, I think. In I don't we've gone back and forth on the double wild card thing. I you know, eh. we'll we'll talk about that whenever we do MLB, uh, you know, relegation and stuff like that, which is coming in the off season because that's we've been teasing that for a while. That's going to be a fun discussion. I've been putting together all the models and I can't wait to talk about it. It's going to be very worthwhile. Absolutely. So lots of good stuff though. I'm excited. We're going to be doing live streams, like I said, throughout. So make sure to review, or review to subscribe to us on uh, on social media. That's Sense Blue Loud Media on Facebook and Sense Blue Loud on Twitter and on YouTube. So make sure to check those out. We're we'll be having the live streams going. That's right. It's going to be great. All right, let's do the POS corner without Sam. How about that? Love it, ladies and. This is Paul Ramham from WBAT in Cincinnati. 
we interrupt this regular scheduled programming to bring you this breaking news bulletin. It appears that people have been called pieces of shit from around the globe. Baseball players in particular seem to be the main target. However, no person, concept, or universe is exempt from this cruel but very usual punishment. The perpetrator has been identified as the great Sambino. Police have confirmed that he is still at large and about to take his piece of shit corner. Ding, ding, ding. Huge piece of shit. All right, America. Let's talk pieces of shit. Ben, do you want to start us off? Sure. And that's such a good tagline. It really is. Credit to Greg Sambino. No, so I'm going to give, mine today is a all-encompassing tie between two people, so I'm just going to name one position. You ready for this? Yes. My POS is the New York Yankees outfield. Ah, tell me more. Well, it has to do with not so much their fielding, more their batting, specifically Brett Gardner and Gary Sanchez. (sighs) There you go. One for each. That was a sigh and a half, man. I feel like you know where I'm going with this. I do. (laughs) I just hate Brett Gardner so much, but go on. So, uh, Brett Gardner had an awesome season, probably, probably the best season in his career, but since October 1st, he's hit 176. Okay. He struck out 15 times. Okay. In, in the ALCS, Ugh. he hit 136. Yikes. That'll hurt One you. One run scored. You hate to see it. <laughs> you just, you really, you hate to see it out of a guy like that. Just, just a real team guy. Yeah. And then, uh, so that's part A. Okay. Part B... Gary Sanchez because once again terrible at the plate against the Astros overall in the postseason he was 129 he went four for 31 and he was 130 against the Astros so collectively Gary Sanchez and Brett Gardner you're on my list okay that's pretty good that's pretty good I I, so I think it's well known how we Feel, or at least I feel and Sam feels about Brett Gardner. I mean, is he just overall just on your list too? Is that is that where we're at? Or I don't quite know that I'm gonna put him on my perpetual list. There's a there are a few people um, that will be on there that I can't talk about because this isn't a political podcast. This is a baseball podcast. Yes, but I mean, when it baseball. comes to baseball players, I'm more of a what have you done for me lately? You mm-hmm. know, just because you were you know, most RBIs in 2007. So what? Yeah. So in other words, you just, at the end of the season, you just open up the back of your head and just dump everything out and restart the next year? I do that at the end of every day. Ah, good point. That explains it. Mm, Good, good. Okay. So my POS this week, I think you're going to like this one. Okay. Is the Bird Poop Cardinals. (laughs) They almost were on mine. And I'll tell you one specific reason why. And guess what it involves? Guess what it involves? Let's just we'll do that. Um, I don't know what batting average. Yes, perfect. I feel like there's a theme here. There is a theme here, unplanned theme, but a theme nonetheless. You're telling me you have to score runs in baseball? It's amazing, right? The Bird Poop Cardinals were an absolute imposter, imposter in this. NL side of the World Series or the playoffs, okay. I should say, postseason. Sure. So the only reason that they got to the NLCS in the first place was because Atlanta had one epic meltdown on the mound where they gave up like 13 runs in the first inning. Yep. And truthfully, we see that happen all the time in the regular season. Mm-hmm. It's just not usually on a national stage like that. Right. It's not in an elimination game <laughs> in the NLDS. That stinks. Atlanta a, was the much a rough be- night. Exactly. Atlanta was the much better team. Mm-hmm. And the Cardinals got in on a wild card berth. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to put this in perspective for you. The batting average of the Cardinals in the NLCS where they got, did they get swept? They got swept, right? They may have taken one. They may have taken one. It's sad that we don't know this, but that's not, that's not the point. They guess what they're, what do you think their batting average was? And I'll give you a hint. 
It was below the Mendoza line. Oh, no. Really? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, a blink number, 182. Incorrect. 127. Oh, my God. And, yeah, they did get swept. Okay, that's what I thought. And batting 127, that'll happen. That, that happens. Would you care to take a guess at what the batting average of all National League pitchers across the league this season was? 128. 142. Oh, my gosh. 142. And this Cardinals team batted 127 in a series where they got, I mean, obviously they got swept, but, like, that's terrible. Yeah, that's not a good look for those Redbirds. And I would like you to look up a stat for me real quick. What did Atlanta bat as a team this year? Yeah, let me find it. So at the end of the day, this is a team that had no real business being in the playoffs at all, much less taking down Atlanta, who won 97 games this year. 97 games. Yeah. I mean, St. Louis won 91. But that is a big difference when it comes right down to it. That's, to me, a good team versus an elite team. Yeah, that's that's it makes perfect sense. Uh, I have individual figures. Let me find the the team should give you team stuff there, too. But I just think that at the end of the day, so we were talking about the the better team always coming out. This is the kind of danger of that is you don't see it very often because usually by the time you've gotten to the postseason, your pitching has worked out and you're not going to have a 13 run meltdown on the mound, which, again, can happen. Yeah. Oh, by the way, it's 258 was the team batting average. 258 versus right. a 127 team. Not good yeah. at all. Not in the slightest. So the Bird Poop Cardinals, definitely my POS corner. They're imposters. They're frauds. They're nobodies. They deserve to be sitting on their couch at home. Do you... Yes, well done, sir. Anything Do you think else? the city of St. Louis will change their names to Bird Poop? Uh, I hope so. They deserve to. That is for sure. All right. That's the POS quarter. So the other thing that I want to continue to learn more about are cities and their nicknames. And I feel like the best place to do that is going to be in a book. Mm. Well, have I got news for you because today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash SLM. There you can browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title for free, and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash SLM and get started now. Awesome. I hope that there's a, a city nickname book out there. There must be, right? I feel like it. There's... That might be more of like a novel, so maybe we'll get like a nice dramatic piece of someone lobbying to change the name of some town. Hmm, maybe so. Maybe Maybe that's what you're going to do in the off season is find some North Texas city and try and change the name of it. Just try to run for mayor and just take over the whole thing. I don't even think you have to be mayor. I think you could just find like, go to the city council meetings and keep asking for them to change it until someone finally listens. Hmm. But I do like the sound of mayor J Mac. That seems good. Seems good. Well, I'll tell you what we're going to kind of go into now. And the, Hold on. Yeah. Mayor Mac sounds like a 1980s cartoon villain. But it's Mayor like, J-Mac. Okay. But if you just got rid of the J, which yeah. would make your name Uston, but if you got rid of the J, you would be like someone who'd pal around with Scrooge McDuck. Either that or like a character from It's Always Sunny, one of the two. Just wear, wear a riot shirt all the time. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I think that's good. Well, so a story that came up this week, and it's really interesting to talk about, and it actually, we, I feel like we talk about this a lot on this show, but this really came to light like within the last few days, and that's about the contraction of the minor league system. Yes. And so we're going to kind of break that down. It's really complicated, so we're going to kind of go through you know layer by layer and kind of talk about it and break it down like we like to do. And talk about the pros and cons of this and what, what everyone thinks, and I want to hear your thoughts on this too. Oh, for sure. And if you have thoughts on this, make sure to let us know and sound off on social media. We're definitely watching those comments to see uh, see what y'all think. So let us know for sure. Absolutely. So I'll start with kind of what the current state looks like. 
and then kind of what we're proposing to go or what what's being proposed to go to. So I guess yeah, this was published on um, I believe Friday or Saturday from Baseball America. Sure, felt was the primary source on it. Sure, felt like a news dump to me. I'll tell you that first of all. <laughs> well, it's got a ton of play. It does. Um, <laughs> no pun intended. No, so, um, but essentially what's going on is Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball, they're affiliates together, obviously, they're looking at shrinking some of the system down to more manageable levels, and the main goal of that is two things. It's to cut down on travel times and improve facilities. And we'll get into how those affect each one, but what were you going to say? I hear the reasons they're giving, but I'm not saying I believe them. Correct. We'll, we'll get there because there's a few other things to highlight. But I think it's it's worth going over what the current state of minor league baseball looks like right now. And a, a lot of this we've kind of gone into on the show inadvertently because we've you know mused about different awesome names and stuff like that that different teams have. But mm-hmm. even some of these numbers blew me away. So as things are right now, there are 256 minor league teams. It's ridiculous. It's that's absurd, right? That it, does that just it, that number alone? Does that feel like it's too many? I mean, on the whole, sure. Okay, absolutely. So there are fourteen major league baseball affiliated minor leagues. So these are just leagues with one hundred and sixty revenue generating teams total. And on the other side, of that there are three MLB affiliated rookie leagues. That's like your very low A ball and stuff like that. With a total of 80 teams, those are non-revenue generating. Those are what they consider non-revenue generating. Now, the biggest difference is there is one makes you money. One is not necessarily a money suck, but it doesn't really do anything for you. Right. Or, I mean, I guess it depends on the team. There are some that are in debt, and that's a whole other conversation we'll get into here in a minute. But as of right now, 256 teams. All these minor league teams are are operated as independent businesses for the most part. Uh, Major League Baseball owns, I think, like, two or three of those yeah it's not a huge percentage it's like the cardinals the d-backs there's just a, a couple teams that have their own straight up their own team that they own that's not it, we'll go to that in a second so they're ind- independently owned and they're affiliated with one major league team is typically how that goes so that way you have like the rangers and you have i don't even know what their affiliates are now now that round rock is gone and everything but like yeah they're triple a's nashville they're double a's frisco there you go and so you have le- levels all the way down, and guys get drafted into the major le- in the major league system, and they start in these in these minor leagues at different areas. We've actually talked to our friend Parker Bashensky about that before. Very yes. interesting. Very interesting to see how that life is. Mm-hmm. For sure. And so teams are independently owned and operated. They're affiliated with the one team, and they all play under the same rule book, basically an agreed upon rule book. Okay. And I'm going to leave, like, the Mexico League out, and so, like, some really, like, the independent league. There's some very small, nuanced teams. I'm really just going to talk about domestically for this because it get. And the only reason I am is because it gets wildly confusing if you start looking at different leagues because the rules change in different ones, but only slightly. So it gets, you know, that's where you might get into your eight-man lineup, like Sam and I suggested. Yeah, it gets a little convoluted. It does. Stop it with the eight-man lineup. <laughs> it's going to happen. Um, so basically, these teams play under what's called a PDC agreement. That's a player development contract. They usually last either two or four years. And so essentially, they affiliate with a team for either two or four years, depending on the agreement. And that is who they end up kind of supporting or you know feeding talent to overall. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. And teams, so like at that time when that two to four year agreement is up, Teams can reaffiliate with other teams, draw different agreements, renegotiate their deal, whatever they want to do. So the Rangers are a great example of this, and I just brought this up. They used to have uh, their AAA in Round Rock down near Austin, Texas. They they all of a sudden, they were done with that agreement, terminated it, and moved to be Houston's affiliate. So it left the Rangers having to find a new affiliate. Right. And that happens all the time. And And so, like, you have basically teams that are struggling to go out there and find different, you know, affiliates, and, like... I, again, I don't really know what that specifically does. I don't know if that's like a naming rights thing as far as like talent development. And like, I mean, the Rangers have their own farm system. Yeah, and it sounds like all the players are employed by the Rangers. They just have agreements to play at these minor league things because right. it wouldn't make sense for 
XYZ prospect who's currently playing AAA Frisco or excuse me, AAA Round Rock saying like, oh yeah, I'm going to go to the Rangers and then they terminate that agreement. So now they're going to go to the Rockies. That's not how it works. Like the players still belong, belong, quote unquote, still are employed by the overarching team. But each of these independent teams just have these these contracts. May I make a quick suggestion? Yes. What if you could trade farm systems? Oh my god! Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> Such a wheels off thing. Like when you're playing spades or something, and you swap hands with someone randomly. Exactly. Just imagine being like, you know what? The Red Sox system is really terrible. We're going to give you like 150 million. We'll just take that new one from you. That'd be good. Yeah. That'd be wild. A lot of everyone, all of the Diamondbacks are now Red Sox, like just all of them. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. Uh, I mean, if you think about it, though, someone's going to be on the lo- the winning and losing end of that. And it's a risk no matter what happens. It's just a matter of who drafts better. It's all a risk. Everything's a risk. We'll get back into this uh, more whenever we get to relegation talk, because I think that's important in that that uh, area, too. So right now what we have, we have the le- so we have different levels right now. We have triple A, double A. So it goes. This is kind of so you have a major league club. And then you have the AAA system, so and that's the closest to getting to the Major League Club. And the Major League Club is always pulling talent from these different levels. Right. Typically AAA, because you work your way up, get better and better, develop your skills, all that. So you have AAA, goes down to AA, goes down to Class A Advanced, then to Class A. Then you have a short season league, which is contains two different levels as well. That's Class A short season and Rookie Advanced, and then you go down to Rookie as the last tier. That's a lot of different tiers. It is. I mean, you're looking at six different tiers, and one of those tiers has two within it. Well, and I think that's, for the most part, a few teams had already kind of started to sort of streamline this process. Uh, I want to say three or four episodes ago, we talked about the Astros made headlines because they removed two of their clubs, I think, and said they had the fewest farm clubs. Yeah, and nobody noticed. Right is the most well. I'm sure the aside from the employees of those farm clubs. Well, yeah. I mean, I think they probably noticed. I mean, yeah, unless they just Bumble didn't tell scum them. Alabama or wherever the things at. Do you think that they told them, or do you think they just locked the gates? I think this feels like a lock the gates scenario. Yeah, I would think so too. Maybe a note on the locker at the very minimum, or the the very most. But I don't. Seems like a lock the gates type situation. So basically. Like we were talking about, I think baseball is wanting to get to this. I think that the Astros have shown them that, hey, this model can work differently and effectively. And so where we're headed with this or what what is being proposed is they would essentially. So this would be after the 2020 season, after next year, they would eliminate as many as 42 teams out of that 256. That's 20, almost 25 percent of the teams. That's nuts. How does that feel, just uh, kind of like we did baseline with the 256, how does that feel, just gut feeling? I mean, aside from the 46 clubs and that are now looking for a job, you know, aside from the humanistic standpoint, that seems like a more manageable infrastructure. It does. And basically, the so we talked about like the short, like, so we talked about the kind of the different leagues down there at the bottom so you have the short season leagues that it contains the class a short season the rookie advanced and then you have another league which is the rookie below it and essentially it would get rid of uh, most of the rookie stuff in general and it would get rid of short season a ball so you would start at class a which would just be four down from the major leagues right which is essentially what the astros did Mm -hmm. more or less and i think to me, so to me, I think this makes a lot of sense to be honest with you because I think 256 is just absurd. There's so many so many like different levels of it that it's I, I, we're the most ardent baseball people and it's incredibly difficult for us to even understand how this works. It's there's I mean the, these types of agreements have been around since 1903, which right. was the year of the first World Series. Right. So like oh this is and we're we're a big proponent of just because you've done it a certain way for you know, for this long doesn't mean that's how things should keep going. Not we, at all. We've gotten to a point where, and the, and the other thing about this is too, it's not like guys have to go through these different levels. Right. So Vlad like, Junior is a perfect example. Went straight from Double A ball up to the bigs. Exactly. Uh, Fernando Tatis Junior did the same exact thing, and he started in Double A. So like it's 
like it's all about where your skill level is, and I don't think that changes. And so I think at the end of the day, sure, you have a condensed draft, or you have a condensed roster, but you also have a draft that's much shorter. You're able to pay guys a decent wage, because that's a whole other conversation, which we can talk about here in a second. But you just have a more streamlined process from top to bottom, and you have guys that are able to have things like health insurance, and you have things that where guys are able to actually get a feel of, am I going to make it in this game, or am I just going to sit here in you know Class A short season or Class A advanced for the next three years? or you know, What's really going to happen here? Right. And, and while there's merit in that, and while there's nobility in that, I mean, or is that really where we're at? I mean, either you're talented to make the league or you're not. I mean, I think that's, and obviously baseball can work itself out over time. Garrett Cole's a great example. He is not mm-hmm. the pitcher. He's, he wasn't the pitcher that he is now last year or any year before that. And sometimes going to the right club, just like any other free agency situation, can unlock that. But at the end of the day, they kind of, at this point, we've gotten good enough at this where we generally know what guys are going to be. I mean, is that fair? I'd say generally. I think you still have examples of people who sort of diamond in the rough sort of thing, but it's not nearly what it once was, where someone was playing in some Iowa farm league, and within the next year, they're starting for the Pittsburgh Athletics. Excuse me, the Philadelphia Athletics. Right. So I, But I, I guess at the same time, though, that adds a layer of strategy to the game, because say that I'm one of those guys who's just not good enough or whatever because you know I got drafted into the Marlin system, and Derek Jeter's a jerk and doesn't like J-Mac, which... I get all of that, no problems, but they decide to let me go. Well, then you're the owner of, you know, the Royals farm system, and you're saying, oh, well, there is value here. Let's pick him up, see what happens, give him a spot on your many layers of roster still, and and evaluate it. I just don't see the need for that many different layers of this. And, I mean, you look at spring training, you've got split squad games, you've got, you know, guys going one or two innings because that's all they really, and, of course, you don't want to go too fast, and we can go into that methodology later on but you just you don't even I don't even know if guys have a decent shot right like I'd hate to see what's the percentage of people who get drafted and who never step foot on a major league field exactly I'm sure it's astronomical and we talk about it all the time where it's like we don't know you know like it it, we don't really know what a guy is and it's going to take time we talk about that you know, at nauseum. I mean, Vlad Jr. is a great example of that. We still don't really know what he's going to be yet. I think he's going to be really good, but maybe There's not. always a chance of a fizzle. Neftali Feliz. Great example. Someone who just got rocked mentally and never could, you know, bring that. Never got you know, it back. Never got it back. And so you never really know what's going to happen at the end of the day. But at, at the, I, I just think it's on teams to be smart about the players they bring in and to understand who brings in. And I think it's it's almost like the whole like more teams should make the playoffs thing it's not like i understand that's great in theory and it makes you more money but it becomes less and less of a prestigious thing and a prize if more teams are making it than not and it's like more guys are drafted than not and you don't even know if you're getting a clean look at these guys in that case right especially if they've only thrown six pinches right exactly and so I think the other side of this is, and this is what they're not saying. So like I said, Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball are saying they want to cut down on travel times. This would also include a realignment of everything, which does make a lot of sense. Yes, I am all about the realignment structure. I mean, there's zero chance the Rangers should have their farm system be in Nashville. You know, like that's just... It's a good town, but... I, I love Nashville. Don't get me wrong. I love the hot chicken <laughs> sandwiches. But at the end of the day, it doesn't make sense if you need a quick call-up guy... When you've got the double A affiliate just down the road, not right, even an hour go. away. Exactly, not even an hour away. And like the Red Sox are lucky enough where they have their minor league team, the Pawtucket Red Sox, down in in uh, Rhode Island. But and so like that's not very far away. But yeah, that's more a rock, right? That's more of what it should look like. And I, it almost feels like if it requires a flight, you've done it wrong. <laughs> With two hundred and fifty six teams, yeah, I mean that's a really good flow chart. You know, and it's that's not tried and true science, but he stretches the imagination. But if it requires a flight, that's an issue. And so what we have here, we have Major League Baseball, who is definitely not talking about. They've really, like I said, they've laid out two different things here. They want to cut down the travel time with the realignment and they want to improve facilities. And I get that because some of these major league or minor league ballparks are absolutely terrible. 
They're crap houses. The locker rooms are terrible. The AC doesn't work. There's all kinds of concession issues. Whether they can sell the right amount of, of concessions at all to even be able to make money in the first place, there's a lot of that stuff going on. And they're just not great facilities. And what that comes down to is money flowing in and out of this sport. And I think that's what Major League Baseball ultimately is overlooking here or they're not wanting to talk about. And minor league baseball is included in this too, is that these these little these smaller teams that are in you know tiny little towns in Alabama or wherever I, I pick on Alabama for no apparent reason really, but just out, you know out in the middle of nowhere, these teams can't possibly be revenue drivers. And with that being the case, and we talked about the non-revenue teams here just a little bit ago, with that being the case. Like, don't don't you think that you could go through and actually use the system that's in place, reform it, and be able to make it more profitable and flatten some of those layers, which is exactly what we've been talking about with the Astros. And so what Major League Baseball, like I said, is not talking about is the monetary standpoint of this. And a big portion of this for me is that we have these players who make relatively nothing. These players make these players make absolutely nothing to play this sport for, you know, I mean, it's hard on their body. It, it, you know, we have all kinds of different, you know, examples of times where these guys have gotten hurt and they're making $10 an hour or whatever it is. And it's just, right. this gives you an, an opportunity to actually pay these guys a decent living, a, a living wage. Sure. And once again, not a political podcast. So right. think about... I mean, I want it to be, but it's not. No, think about the long-term implications on these bodies of what they're going through. And maybe, sure, you're playing in a shorter league, but that's still, what, 70, 80, 100 games that you're putting your body through this day in, day out of wear and tear for maybe, what, we don't have the exact numbers, but a 0.15% shot of making it? Sure. And again, while that's noble, that's just not realistic anymore. And guys shouldn't have to go through that. That's just what it comes down to. So I think a lot of players are competitive uh, competitive enough and good enough to be able to say, hey, I am good enough to you know make this roster. I'm good enough to, to make this happen. I'm going to try to make it happen as best I can. And I'm willing to take that risk. But at the end of the day, I don't know. I just, it, it seems like, while those odds are astronomical, guys could still be competitive in this nature. I'm all no, for it. A- absolutely. And and like we said, some of the the other moving parts around realigning and who's all where, there's a lot of really good stuff here. This almost seems so I like it, but it almost seems too aggressive. Like it's not going to be palatable for the owners, for so- the the MLB to sign off on. So uh, tell me, so what, you don't think it would be profitable for the owners? I don't necessarily think it would be profitable immediately. I don't know that they'll see, you know, the forest for the trees or whatever. Because, for example, if I have 100 guys to choose from and you're going to tell me I only have 60, like, yes, I'll have the better 60 guys, but I lose the ability to get, uh, you know, another, another shot on it. And what about the... I don't know, but say the Pawtucket Red Sox, what percentage of their take goes up to Boston? No, and that, that's a good point. But I think if you flatten the system overall, you increase the product, you increase in t- attendance, or you know, you make the product better by doing that. You increase attendance. You have uh, stadiums that are because a big part of this is stadiums too, right? It's all it almost always comes back to money, and so like. You're not well, able to what, get the, the revenue generation that you can out of these better stadiums. And, I mean, if you go to the one in Frisco, it's a really nice place. But, it's you know, they put a lot of money into that. They have a lazy river. It's That figure eight lazy river is awesome. It's, it's so ridiculous. Like, if you're going to be outside in Texas, you might as well be watching baseball on a lazy river. Absolutely. It, uh, and, I mean, we <laughs> the actual shenanigans that go on at that, that ballpark are unbelievable. We're, I can't believe we didn't do that this summer, but we'll get back out there soon. There are so many bits to be had. So many bits. We'll go out there and do some of our own bits. How about that? Love it. So that's kind of where we're at with the realignment stuff with minor league baseball. It's going to be great. We're at the very early stages of this. Yep. But eliminating a lot of teams is, is a very interesting prospect. 
And I think it's going to be crazy to see where this goes. And it's going to be part of the bigger picture of, of the collective, collective bargaining agreement. And I, I'm excited to see where that leads us because we've had a lot of suggestions of what they should do. Now it's just a matter of how that goes forward. Right. And we understand not all of our suggestions are going to be listened to, but at least the ones, uh, you know, don't just throw out the ones because it says pay Justin and I a lot of money. Like, Correct. It, you can. Yeah, exactly. Before we wrap it up, do you have any quick thoughts on Joe Madden getting uh, getting a job? I do. I think that was a really good hire for the Angels. I can't believe we took this long to talk about it, even though we've mentioned Joe Madden several times here. Uh, it's a great hire for the Angels. I don't know that it's a great hire for Joe Madden. Okay, that's interesting. I think we're going to have to unpackage this a little bit when the great Sambino gets back, and maybe we'll have a few other management move pieces kind of in place to see contextually what it's going to do to the league. Definitely. Yeah, but if you like what you're hearing, make sure to check us out on social media. Plus, you can see us. We're on Facebook Live. We're on YouTube. If you like what you're seeing, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. That really helps us out. Check us out at sensiblyloud.com. Uh, J-Mac wrote a b- great blog today about hacking a security system to get an advantage in a water gun fight. You have to check this out. Go to sensiblyloud.com. And again, huge shout out to Justin for uh, producing these episodes. Thank you so much. It is Cybersecurity Awareness Month here in October, so we're just looking out for everybody. We want to thank everyone for tuning in for episode 89 of the Outfielder Podcast. We would like to thank all of our fans, Sensibly Loud Media, our sponsors, and those with a sharp eye to keep the runners close. Grounds crew, please keep patrolling that outfield. Big ups to Kevin Towers. Don't text and drive. And we'll see you right back here next time on the Outfielder Podcast. You know who should run the Angels? John Madden. <laughs>